Like just a little simple reminder that says, hey, say hi to your wife and kids at 4.30 p.m. every day. Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. All right, welcome back to the Wayfinder Show, Adam. What's up, man? Hey, man, man, life is good. I got uh, check the new new hats for Willow Ash Roofing today, oh. so I got finally got those. Those took a while to come in, and oh, yeah. uh, also my parents just got in town into into Charleston. So today is a good, exciting, busy all of it day. How about you? Nice. It's good, man. You also got some sun. I see that, you know, I definitely get some sun on the regular here. We did actually go. We took the kids to the beach on on Sunday. So it was uh, yeah. OK, I got some sun that day, too. Nice. Yeah, man. Out here, I've been good. It's um, I don't know. Real estate market has been moving, actually. You know, we got some good things happening there. Got nice. One yeah. Finally, this one big commercial deal I've been working on all year is finally like getting through everything. Uh, about a week away from all the money going hard, but all all indicators are it's, it's a go. So that that's huge, man. I put a lot of work into this one, so I'm really excited. Nice, yeah. man. I know that's a that's a big game changer for you. So that's great. It is, yeah. So, um, yo, we got a good, we got a great guest here today. Yeah, yeah. another fellow emerged brethren that we've been waiting to get on the show for a little while out of New Jersey, Mr. Leon Wright. Leon, man, welcome. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me. I look forward to it. Nice, man. Yeah. So why don't you uh, tell the listener a little about who you are, where you've been, where you're going? Just dig in. All right. How far you want me to go back? All the way back to the beginning? Whatever you think would be interesting. Whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever you'd like you talking tell us about. Where it starts, yeah. what, you what get you, to write what, it. What you feel comfortable with. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll go back quick, quick back into my childhood because it kind of leads me to where I'm at, um, and a lot of things that I'm doing, a lot of the ideas that I've been putting in my head or have, that I'm going through in my head. Back in my childhood, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a lot, but my mom always kind of provided what was necessary, um, and you know, I learned some good things. I learned some good habits. I also learned some bad habits. You know, whether it became spending uh, money that we didn't really have or, or some other things, but. Um, one of the, the pivotal points that I always remember in my childhood is <clears throat> I have two. I have one where I was a kindergartner going to my very first bus stop ride, and I got picked on the very first day. And thankfully, I had an older sister who was there to you know kind of help me out. But from that day forward, I had developed a sense of I didn't want to be seen. So it made mm -hmm. it it made it really difficult for me, and I and I finally have broken through that, which I'll get into, but. Um, that was a huge thing in my childhood. Another one was I had a few days where I remember where our house, we didn't have either heat or hot water. Now, we always had electricity, which was good. But, you know, when it's colder outside and you're kind of low on oil and you can't turn the heat on the whole day because you don't know if you're going to be able to fill it back up. 
it made it very difficult, but it, it, it was a reinforcement to myself to say, hey, I'm not going to let my kids go through this. Again, no fault to my parents, it's just the way that it was. Um, I, now my mom was raising me by herself uh, with stepdad here and there. And then, um, you know, I had my dad in my life. He was always there, but I only saw him every other week. Um, so I guess I'll just quick fast forward. Uh, you know, I went to college. It's kind of what everybody was doing at the time. Uh, so I just kind of got pushed into that. Uh, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. I mean, I'm still doing what I intended. So I, I originally, like in high school, I was really into construction uh, and architecture. So I actually graduated high school, went into the architecture program at Philadelphia University. And uh, after two years, I transitioned into a construction management type uh, a degree. Coupled that with a master's, uh, primarily because I just didn't want to graduate yet. Uh, I didn't want to go into the real world yet. Uh, it worked out because it got me into an internship um, with a commercial general contractor in Philadelphia. Um, and then from there, um, you know, I, I got into a, a pretty big downward spiral. I met my wife my junior year of college. Uh, well, girlfriend, person at the time, became a girlfriend, and eventually, you know, got married. Um, so she's been through it all. But like, I, I had a period of, I would say, probably, I probably had to go to, back to like 19 through 34, where I took a pretty big nosedive. Uh, I, I was still showing up for work. Uh, I was still getting promotions. I was still doing my job. Um, you know, 2009, I lost my job just because the market was crap. And uh, my father-in-law um, got me into another position uh, in estimating first email fabricator. I didn't really like it. And I kind of let that spiral. Anytime I kind of got left to my own devices, I I just kind of didn't really stay disciplined. And I didn't have, I didn't have the um, fortitude to just kind of like see foresight. So I was always like living in the moment without really living. Cause I was just, I was drinking a lot. I was drinking myself. I was pretty much drinking like to a point where it got to like every day. So I'll fast forward to probably I got married. 2012, um, we moved back to Jer South Jersey. We'd lived in um, Jersey City for a year. Uh, my wife was working in New York City. I was working in Somerset. Moved back to South Jersey, bought a house, got married, got a new job. Uh, nothing fixed it. So it was just kind of continuing down the same path. And uh, let's see, 2012 to 2019. So seven years I spent um married disconnected uncommunicative uh 2015 uh what was it august of 2014 my wife uh pretty much told me the first time i had to i had to figure out something to do or i had to leave and um so got connected with a family friend a family member and he was in aa and got me into alcoholics anonymous which is aa so i'll use aa term a lot <laughs> um so my first my first step into that was in 2014 in August, and I didn't, I wanted it, but I wasn't ready. So, you know, I, I, I went to like one meeting a week, and I didn't read the book, I didn't get involved, I didn't do anything. Uh, so, needless to say, as you hear in most stories, so, hey, like, you don't get involved, you don't get, you don't do the work, it's not going to last. So it didn't last for me. A week after, actually, I went to my first AA meeting, I found out my first son was going to be born. That didn't help. I uh, just kind of, I think it just made things more stressful because I was like, oh no, I don't know how to do this. And again, I'm afraid of anything that I don't know how to do because I'm also uh, a perfectionist that I'm working through certain things on. Like I have to feel like I'm ready for everything. Um, so fast forward, 
uh, like I said, it didn't stay sober. It uh, didn't last very long. I'd say it was a period of like two, two and a half years of kind of like off and on trials and then, you know, convincing the wife I needed it because my ma- my mind's racing, my mind's racing. It just helps me slow down. So I use that as, as an excuse for a while. And then, um, hey, Leon. so yeah. Can I jump in if you don't mind? I just, just, just curious. We talked to a lot of people with, with similar stories and, um, would you say that the, the drinking, were you trying to escape something? Was there some, some other issues going on or, or what do you think looking back on it now really, really caused you to get to a point where you were drinking every day and, and to the point where your wife was <laughs> not having it? Um, at first it was just to escape, right? Like it was, it was to, to dull the stress pains to deal with. It was really, I used it to deal with everything to a point. So I got to a point where I was just using it to use it. Like I had no control over it. Um, but first it was like, oh, I had a stressful day. And then it was like, oh, it's sunny outside. Oh, it's raining outside. It's like, got to the point where it was like, it, I didn't really need an excuse, but I would make one up anyway. Because it's kind yeah. of, yeah, just got into a bad habit. And it's just really just what you did, right? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And at, at some point I crossed the line of, I didn't have the ability on my own to stop. Well, hey, I'd like to go back even further. If if I could, Leon, mm-hmm. the, um, going back to that first day in kindergarten, where you said you got picked <laughs> on, you didn't want, want to be seen anymore. I think that's pretty deep, right? Like how uh, I I got two big questions around that. One is how did that manifest itself? Like the, not wanting to be seen? Did you just like hide in the back, all quiet all the time, or like what would you get social anxiety out of that? How, what was the manifestation of not wanting to be seen? Um, so I don't really remember much of like how I was before that. Uh, I just know going forward, like I became that like shy kid. Like I'm not, I don't like, I'm not good in social situations sometimes like where I don't know people still, I'm still working through a lot of that. Um, but when it comes to people that I, like I connect with or I've connected with one or two times, I become, I'm way better now. Um, so in through all throughout school, um, I was reserved. I was afraid to join sports programs. Like I never joined the sports team. I tried out for basketball once in high school and like, I got, it got too real. So I stopped, I just stopped. I just didn't show up again. Okay. Uh, but it was stuff like that. Like I didn't have, you know, I had a, a few close friends. Um, I don't really talk to a lot of them anymore. I uh, just kind of grew apart, but I, I just didn't do, I kept to myself. I just put my head down, did my schoolwork, went home, played video games and that was it. And, and how did how were you able to uncover that to that moment in in kindergarten? I was uh, I was I was going to get that, but since you asked, um, four almost four years, uh, just about four years ago now. I um, oh no, it was two years ago. Sorry, two years ago now. I joined a, a mastermind group led by Nick Santamstasso, who is a Tony Robbins guy, um, and one. One summer day, I was sitting down the shore and he was going through a reflection. Uh, you know, sit there with your eyes closed. Think back as far as you can remember to the most uncomfortable point in your life, as far back as you can remember. And that was the first thing that popped up into my mind was I'm sitting there at this bus stop circled by my sister's friends because these other kids are picking on me. And I don't know if that's actually how it went down. That's how I remember it. And um, it was just like, all right, now how do we unpack all that? And then going forward, like now I know I'm aware of it. Now I know why. And it's just working out, working through it from there and just being more open and and get myself seen like 
doing stuff like this that makes me uncomfortable. Well, thanks. Thanks for your bravery, for real, for being here. Is it helping you? Like, are you get? I mean, I've heard you in a couple of the podcasts recently, so it seems like you're getting you, and you you sound very comfortable. Yeah. So, is that helping? Is that about? Yes, yeah, it's, it's so. Thankfully, through AAS, taught me a lot of how to be comfortable and honest with myself. Uh, it took me a while to get to that point, but the more I talk about it, even in a like a public forum like this, um, this is. Oh, only the fourth podcast now that I've done. I say only, but it is the fourth podcast that I've done now, and it does. It is easy to talk about for me because I do it on the like a weekly basis. At a minute, um, I'm doing it, you know, in meetings around guys that I have never met before, and it's still uncomfortable to me to approach a new guy or or even somebody that approaches me. But you know, I get over it. We connect on something, and we we relate to each other. You know. Going back to that exercise you did with Nick Santistasso, is that his name? Santanastasso, yeah. Santanastasso. <laughs> um, so can you, like, I, I think that's really powerful, right? Like, I think our listeners, we, like, we can all do that, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. we all have our shit and, like, how can we unpack that? How can we get it back to the origin, right? Can you do that with us? Like, what what exactly did he do with you? Yeah, so you basically just said, all right, we're going to sit here and close our eyes, you know, take a few deep breaths. Um, So just close our eyes, took some deep breaths, you know, settle the body down. And it was just, uh, I asked the question, what, think back to the earliest point of your childhood uh, of the the most painful memory that you have. And, you know, take a few minutes, sit back, breathe through it, and you just let us through it. You know, he said, if you find something, see if you can go further. So uh, just keep going back furthest you can go. So like mine got to age six when I was at the bus stop. That's when I was able to start kindergarten. Uh, and then, you know, sit through that. What what did it feel like? What what was going on? What happened? How did you feel? And, you know, it really enveloped those feelings of what's going on inside of you about from what's going on outside of you. Like, how does it making you feel right now? And like, for me, it's like my heart starts to kind of like race. My palms get sweaty. Like I'm starting to feel nervous. I can feel my chest clenching up. You know, I can feel my shoulders clenching up too. Cause I'm just like cover. I'm like how cowering down. Right. He's like, all right. And then after a few minutes, he's like, okay, open your eyes. And, and then it's like, how do you feel? You know, it's, you know, it starts to bring a little bit of a tear because it's, it's a very, very important part of my life that I never really realized. Um, I've always remembered it. I just never went that deep into like how it made me feel, what trans, what it transpired into, you know, in my, in the later in my life. So how did you connect that to not wanting to be seen? Like, first of all, thank you for doing that with us. I, I think mean, it's really powerful, but what, <clears throat> so from, see, now I can see how you can get to that really uncomfortable memory. How, how do you connect that to not wanting to be seen? So I just, I just, yeah, I just started running my like the rest of my like childhood through, um, through that scenario. Like what, what happened then and what did it, what happened to me? Like through that, like what, what did I, how did I end up feeling or what did I end up doing because of that situation? And I realized, I started realizing like every situation that I backed out of, um, I got invited to a birthday party, you know, in, in third grade or second grade, one of the two. And uh, my mom drove me to the house and I wouldn't get out of the car. So like, mm-hmm. there's a scenario. And then T-ball, my mom's like, hey, let's go to T-ball. And I'm like, I got to the field and I didn't want to get out of the car. 
and she never forced me to. So, and then like everything else, it was just like, I want to do this, but I don't, cause I don't, cause I don't want to see, I don't want to be around people. I don't want, I don't want to feel rejected. Like it's that, it was that perfectionism that was starting to develop throughout my life. Whereas if I couldn't get it perfect, I didn't want to do it. Cause if somebody's going to judge me for it and I'm, I, I don't like judgment because of the way I was treated when I was six. So going back to, uh, I mean, now, now then you eventually you got into drinking. Did that, was that a way of you thinking, <laughs> you know, you, you would get, you would come out of that? Like you would be seen? Drink, drinking when I first got to college, drinking made me feel like the person that I always wanted to be. I was social. Yeah. Um, I met a lot of people. I, uh, created a lot of friendships that I thought I had, uh, which, you know, looking back on, I never created any deep relationships because they were always superficial based on drinking. Uh, and then when I stopped drinking, now this was long after college, so I realized that, like, I look back and then I did create some good relationships out of it. Um, obviously, I have, a, I got, um, I met my wife, yeah. but, you know, I don't have a lot of solid foundational relationships in college. A lot of my relationships now are uh, actually mostly through like this program and, and the AA program. That's where all of my friends are that we merge and emerge in, the, in AA. From the drinking, <clears throat> like from AA, why, why AA of all uh, as a method of quitting drinking? You know, we've had a lot of, like Adam mentioned, you've had a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of guests who have, you know, used drugs or alcohol and, and some of them choose to go to NA or AA and some of them don't. And yeah, mixed results drink, both ways. So, I mean, yeah, it's drinking was, drink, yeah, it's fine. Uh, drinking was my only vice, um, and I, and I say that primarily because because I grew up with so little, I was so afraid to spend more money than I had, and I knew drugs were expensive. At least in my mind, I told myself that. So I'm thankful I never got into that because I don't think I would be sitting here today if I did the way that I I misused alcohol. So for me, it was, well, alcohol was legal and alcohol was available at every store. I didn't have to go meet some random person and be seen by somebody I didn't know. And there's that whole, I don't want to be seen by some random person that yeah. uh, I don't, I, I don't know because I don't like making friends like that. Um, but cashier is there and I know all I have to do is give her my card or money and she gives me what I needed, what I wanted. Yeah, I'm sorry. What I, I think what I meant was YAA as a strategy for quitting because I... I see the way you you didn't want to be seen, didn't want to be, you know, you, you were trying not to, uh, you're afraid of rejection, all that, and, and perfectionism, and here you go in front of a big group, and you got to be really vulnerable and be seen by everybody, right? Like, that's, that's yeah. like a huge, uh, I, I would think if you recognize you want to quit alcohol, that would probably not yeah. be the one that you would chase right based yeah. on what you were saying yeah and that's probably part of the struggles i had in the first time i went around so i didn't i didn't get sober my first time so it took me five more years to get back or a little over a little over four years not quite five years but almost five years to get back into the rooms uh in 2019 and you know i i didn't really have much of an option i don't want to say i was forced into it but i i was either told you can either leave and lose everything that we you have with your wife and your kids or you know, try AA again. So I went back to AA and, um, you know, my, my addiction was strictly alcohol, which is what I was leading to. And, um, you know, that's, that's where I was told that most people go to get sober. So that's where I went. 
And it's probably it exactly not, what you need because I mean, I, I don't think your your shyness and your desire to be unseen is a separate thing from your alcoholism, right? I mean, it's probably you know one plays on the other, and the fact that AA made you get vulnerable and dragged you out of that hole probably as hard as it was at first probably really helped the healing process to kind of help both of those things at the same time. Yeah. When, when you get into the, when you get into the room and you hear somebody talk um, and it sounds like they're replaying your life, it makes it a lot easier to talk about it. Yeah. Like I, I was just, I basically in the first three meetings, I heard something I needed to hear that made me feel okay with being there. And it's similar to a lot of communities, right? Like even even Emerge and other masterminds and, and real estate masterminds, you know, you, you kind of get around people that are like-minded, that have had similar stories. And you see people that are a couple steps ahead of you and you see people that are a couple steps behind you and you all kind of help each other out. And it's it's the same kind of thing, I think, with AA. It's it's mm-hmm. just a it's just a network of people you can get vulnerable with because you know that they get it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it's like Adam said, basically, it helped you solve both problems and seemed like one underlied kind of was a foundation for the other. Yeah. Which is cool. Well, All right. Cool, so man. let's get back on track, man. We. <laughs> it's all good. We, uh, okay, see, yeah. I'm just going to. I'll go. That's fine. I'm just going to skip ahead to 2019. Okay. I already talked about it. I went through and then a brief period of going back out. didn't work out. And, um, Saturday before Mother's Day of 2019, my wife turned to me and said, uh, "You're gonna go with my brother, and I'm gonna go live with my parents, uh, with the kids, and and that was it." And I was like, "All right." I didn't know what to say, so I just said, "Okay," went home. <clears throat> uh, you know, I had to figure something out. So I knew how to, I knew who to contact. Uh, so, but like any successful alcoholic that I am, I went went home and went right to the liquor store for and drank for t- drank that night. Woke up, went to a meeting the next morning, drank when I got home, and then read some of the book that night. And then the following day, for whatever reason, I never drank again. Or I haven't drank again since since that day, uh, oh. May 13th of 2019. Uh, I found a room. Thank you. So I found a room. Um, you know, it was my third meeting. Was, this was my biggest eye-opener. It was the third meeting, and we were in, it was a smaller group. It was probably like maybe 15 people. And they were reading through a book. And at the end of the, right before the end of the meeting, person, it just stopped the reading at the person to my right. And I was like, I don't have to read. This is great. So I don't want to read in front of people I don't know. And they asked the question, does anybody have a burning desire to drink today? Or does anybody have a burning desire to share? And I raised my hand. I don't know why. And I told a random uh, group of people that I, didn't know how to stop and I wanted to kill myself. Uh, so I had this all written down in my book as we were going through the readings because in the beginning, my head's just going, I got to get everything out that everybody's saying. So when I did that, uh, I had probably all but maybe one person in that room come up to me at one time, which made me extremely uncomfortable. And all they did was just offer me suggestions and, and other meetings to go to. And here, I'm going to introduce you to this person. And I'm going to introduce you to this person. And it's not like, just like Adam Jason, it's like this community. Like if you struggle with something, they ask the community, they get you to the person, they get to get you around certain people to help you go forward. So I just got really vulnerable. And, and over the next two years, um, you know, I went through a lot of stuff with my wife uh, over those two years. And, you know, she's still going through stuff today from it all. 
we just talked about it last night, but they increased my uh, communication with my wife. I was actually present. You know, I was there for the kids to be able to do stuff uh, instead of just going home and drinking by myself in the you know downstairs areas. And then after two years, we moved. We decided to sell our house, and we sold our house and moved into a new house. And in the summers, my wife goes away. She goes down the shore. So she, they actually just went back down the shore for the week. The week I'm going down this weekend. So it was summer of 2021. My wife's down the shore, and I promised that I would be doing all these renovations in the house. Oh, needless to say, I didn't do any renovations, and she didn't. I wasn't very happy about that. But June of 2021, I got on that. I got on one of the live calls with Nick Santham Stasso and got to the end of the call. And I was like, something in me was just like, this is what you need to get to the next level. Like, this is what you need to continue, not only your sobriety, but now get yourself and your family to the next level. Because I have, I have no inheritance. I have no, you know, I don't have things coming to me, right? I, I have me, I'm hoping not debt coming to me at least, but whatever it is, like, I know, like, I need to do something better for my family to set my kids up and their kids up and I continue to do that. So he asked me, what's, what's the one thing holding you back? I wanted to say, I didn't, cause I just didn't want to do it. I didn't know how to do anything for myself, like to improve myself. I didn't know the importance of it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to say. And I told him, I said, well, as any person responds, I need to go talk to my wife. It's a big financial decision. He said, great. Can you call her right now? I said, sure. <laughs> So I called her and she said yes. And I went, shit. I have no way of saying no now. Because he's on the, <laughs> he hears it. He heard the call. So I said, guess I'm in. So I joined it and it was like, it, I was at a slow point in work at least. Uh, so it was a lot of meetings. It, at first it was like four, uh, four meetings a week, but it was, it was um, mindset calls. There were relationship calls with Alex who helps uh, Jamie out. Um, Jamie actually, what Jamie Gruber led the wealth calls, which is how I met Jamie Gruber, and then Jake Haveron led all the health calls. Um, so to this day, I still drink 20 ounces of water first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, and try to drink as much water I can throughout the day. Thanks to Jake, but you know Jamie was the one guy I resonated with throughout the whole thing, and it got to a point in, um, you know, I was about nine months in, eight months in, and I asked Jamie, I was like, hey, um, give me more information about this emerge you know, emerge thing that you keep, you keep talking about in the group. And so I was like, I was thinking about joining. He goes, well, how are you doing with the other one? He goes, I was like, oh, I'm still in it. I'm not done yet. And he goes, all right, well, let me know when you're done. I don't want you to do both. He's like, you need to focus on one. So he actually told me not to join emerge, uh, which I found like, like it was, it was nice because my head wants to go, all right, what's the next thing that I can do and then forget about this stuff. And then try to take on too much. And then, um, you know, a few months later, my my uh, program ran out. And I reached out to Jamie and I uh, joined Demersh. Um, at the same time, I also hired a multifamily coach. Uh, so I got into multifamily thanks, to, you know, primarily thanks to Jamie. But I, I had no idea what multifamily was in 2000, even in 2022, the beginning of it. Hired so is that the goal? Is that the vision? Is that you're going to be <clears throat> multifamily so, investor or where, where are you shooting me, for? It took me a while to kind of iron that out. And I think I'm finally getting there uh, a little over a year later. But, you know, my, my ultimate goal is enable to, in order to build that generational wealth that I've never had, um, 
my, you know, my 10 year vision is basically running my own multifamily development investment company. Um, I'm in construction management. So I, I run commercial, uh, commercial projects, you know, for a living. I've been doing it for the last 15 years. You know, I, I figured I was trying to go through all these different avenues of getting in the multifamily. I have two kids. My wife runs three businesses. Like, I don't, I don't, have, you know, I worked a, I work a full-time job. I don't have a ton of time to be doing underwriting, all this other stuff. So I learned underwriting. I know how to do that. You know, I'm starting to build, starting to build the, you know, uh, sponsors, starting to get sponsors and, and raise capital. So I have, at least I have something that something comes up. Uh, but ultimately, like that long-term vision is, you know, build my own construction company to build multifamily and then also run it and invest in it. Because there's a lot of developers who just buy it, build and sell, but there's not a lot that I know of anyway right now that build and hold. So if I can do that, and I know I can build, and that's the easy part for me. The easy part is building it. I can get through that. It's the it's the second part of it now that I, I have to work on. Yeah, there is What's the next step? There. What are you What are you looking for right now? I'm actually working on something right now. Uh, that's why I'm actually still still here. Uh, I connected with a guy uh, that I've done some work with before, and you know we've been talking, and he's kind of doing exactly what I want to do. He's got a fund set up. He's starting to. He wants to. He wants to get the multifamily, but he's already got his other stuff set up. So I'm I'm kind of hanging around him, uh, helping him out with a few things on the side uh, in my own time. And um, yeah, we got. I'm gonna go to meet with him later this week and see how things go. I met another. I met, had lunch with another buddy of mine, and uh, he's got a connection with a guy that does multifamily development, but he hires it all out. Doesn't have it in in house. So it's another conversation that I'm gonna have and see where it goes. You know, if, if, if it's something that fits, if we fit, like had that same vision, like hey, this is what we want to do, and it works out great. If it doesn't, you know, I'll keep going to the next. One. Are you trying to do that around where you live, like? mostly or would you go so other parts of the country uh, as far as all the stuff that i did in terms of my uh like my target markets my target markets are des moines iowa and jacksonville florida it's like night and day it's two totally yeah. different markets right. one's hot and cold and one's very mild so des moines is very even keel i'm actually going out there again uh in a month um uh, going with a buddy of mine that i met Actually, he called. I met him when he called me. I was sitting in a breakfast shop in Des Moines. He called me from some multifamily group that I was in. Um, eventually, he joined Emerge as well. And then, um, so he reached out to me and said, "Hey, you want to go to Des Moines?" I said, "Sure, let's go." So, my wife's going to come with us because they have the second biggest state fair in the country going on from August 10th to August 20th. So, uh, <laughs> I sold that to her in the beginning. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's those are my target markets. But in the in the steps that I'm taking right now, it would it would have to be a local opportunity because I won't I'm not going to ask my family to move. My wife has too much stuff going on with her business, um, and it's not something that you know I'm not I'm not one to travel a lot. Just too much time. I don't want to miss too much time with the kids. I already did that. Enough. You heard so, it, folks. Anybody knows any developers in the Jersey area looking for a, a badass construction management to help you take <laughs> to the next level. We got a guy. That's right. What, how did, I'm curious how you, with all of that, again, you, you go and you don't like to travel. You want to be nearby, but then you're looking at Des Moines and Jacksonville. Those would be so, for like LP type investments. Is that what you're looking at for that or? 
No, so I I do like to travel, but I don't want to be uh, working on projects that where I'm, I'm having oh, to I travel. Okay, Sorry. like if it's like maybe like once every other month, it's not a huge deal. But you know, a lot of that stuff that I would be doing would be it would, it would be general partnership work. But whether it's capital raising, if I'm doing capital raising, client relations, I can do that all like this. I don't I don't have to yeah. go to the property. I can go yeah. maybe once or twice yeah. a year. Uh, but I won't be doing the asset management because I don't have the time. Um, it wouldn't be fair to my family, and uh, I would have to travel. Yeah. And why did you right pick now. those two markets? <laughs> uh, so I did. So I did a lot of research on, on like up and coming, uh, you know, next twenty years of, of job growth. Uh, Des Moines was one of the top two in terms of uh, job growth for wind energy. Uh, they have a lot yeah. of. Uh, wind turbines out there. Uh, I found out a lot more than I realized. Jacksonville is part of Florida, but it's not the sexy parts of Florida. It's not, you know, it's not like all the, it's not like Miami or Orlando, uh, even even Tampa really. But Tampa's primarily student student based, so it's a little, it's a lot different um, underwriting for that. But you know, I like I said I've never been, to, I had never been to Jacksonville. Um, turns out I knew a guy from our group that was down there. He allowed me to stay with him, which was nice. It saved me a lot of money um on the trip and in Des Moines it was just and uh it was yeah it was a, it's a midwest state but like I said all the numbers were all the numbers were everything that an investor would look for just now right now why Des Moines right it's like uh so I went out there to, to put you know get some connections and I found out how much they're building and you know they got a billion dollar expansion to their airport plan they put top golf in they're building the second largest indoor water park in the country like they got so much building going on they're expanding their city both north and, and west, and uh, they're trying to just make it all one connected city, and you know increase their increase their population twenty thirty percent, if not more, over the next twenty years. So I'm just asking the question: if if your goal is to build a construction company and take that big and do development, do you feel like Jacksonville and Des Moines and these things could? kind of be distractions away from getting you to to what you want to do uh yes and that's this we've had recent conversations with my wife about that so like i with this with this side project um i've had to take a big step back um i i took a step back you know i had the planned trip the trip planned already so i'm gonna go out there just keep the keep face and you know i'm I'm gonna transition my time and focus on the networking opportunities that i have i'm gonna go out and talk about both construction and investors so I, i'm gonna need investors eventually for construction as well so uh if i can get investors to have faith in me in the construction aspect then i can have i can start to get investors to have faith in me and you know if a multifamily opportunity comes up um or a development opportunity comes up Leon, I think we are at that point where we ask you, are world famous? It is world famous now. They like are. Said, we've yes, now had the guests from internationally all over the world. acclaimed That's Wayfinder right. 4. <laughs> the Wayfinder 4, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leon, can you give us a hack? The biggest thing that I, I use as a hack is I use my calendar for absolutely everything. Like, I have reminders in there not only to like, for like meetings like this. But I have reminders in there just because it's the conversation piece that I've learned through my AA program. I have reminders in there just to say hi to my wife and kids when I get home because my mind is so all over the place. 
Like just a little simple reminder that says, hey, say hi to your wife and kids at 4.30 p.m. every day when you get home from work. I love that. Um, but other simple reminders, like, I, you know, I got my, you know, do my daily prayers in the morning. That goes off in the morning. Um, yeah, I have a thing that from a, I went to a, a group, um, like it was like a spiritual retreat. And one, and the, the leader of the group said, you know, every night before you go to bed, look yourself in the mirror or wherever it is and tell yourself you're special, you're awesome, I love you. Because one thing that I've learned is it was really hard for me to love myself because of all the stuff I thought I had done. So I got a reminder in my, my phone for that every night, too. So that's my biggest hack. I just use my phone for everything for reminder's sake. Love I love it. it. I actually do very similar things. Not exactly <laughs> maybe some of the things you mentioned, but but I use calendar to just to remind me to do random little things just like you so that's great yep um so now name a favorite and this could be a favorite book a band a movie just really just anything that you love um uh, i love hiking and it's something that it took me a while nice. to find out again like i just love being outdoors uh, i like the beach but you know i don't like the sand as much because it gets everywhere it gets in the truck and i gotta clean but i love going hiking and i love mountain biking stuff like that i just love going hiking like when you mentioned a beach i gotta say earlier you kept <laughs> saying down to shore and i chuckled <laughs> and i don't know you, you've been in jersey all your life no nah, pennsylvania originally uh okay. but it's about half my life because that's a big jersey thing right to say down to shore yeah i guess uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> i only know because my wife's from jersey so i have not a lot of right. friends from there so yeah you just yeah i guess it back. is memory that's funny but uh tell me something about uh uh that you would tell your 25 year old self i i'd like to press this but i don't like looking back uh it's one of the things that i've learned through my program i try not to look back and you know, regret but if i were to talk to somebody that is 25 today uh, i would tell them just be open and honest with where you're at and find somebody that you can resonate with that's doing what you're doing that even if it's what you think you love to do right now, find somebody getting involved in it, whether it's through social media or whatever, just reach out to them, send them a DM, you know, obviously resonate, respond with something that resonates with what the post was about. Cause you get, a, am starting to get a lot of messages like, Hey, let's connect. Hey, let's connect. I'm like, well, okay, let's find, but like, what do you want to connect about? So like, if you find something that resonates with you within their post, reach out to them, you know, very sincerely say, Hey, hey this resonated with me. I'd love to connect with you, you know, maybe for 10 minutes or whatever it is. Uh, Cause it could, you know, that one conversation, just like I had, it could change your life and in, in, in a very short time, you know, four years is not a short time, but uh, I have successfully so far changed my life for the better in, in two years. And it, I'm way further away than I was just because of one conversation with somebody that I thought was way better than me, which turned out it's not true. It's just the way I view people. So what do you think holds people back from being happy? Fear. At least for me, I mean, that's the biggest thing, again, is a fear. So like, I, I have a fear of success and I have a fear, fear of failure. Uh, my fear of success because of my visibility of being seen outweighed my fear of failure. Uh, so like, as much as I didn't, I, much of my perfectionism holds me back from wanting to fail, my fear of success and being seen actually held me back more and I figured that out. And I'm starting to now put myself, like I said, in situations like this, like this does not make me comfortable, even though I seem okay. Like I'm getting a lot more comfortable doing it because I'm, I'm pushing myself to do it. 
And if I feel weird or if I go back and watch the video, like I did on my last one with Kyle, I realized like, I don't open my mouth a lot to enunciate. I'm like, this is weird. Um, so it's just little <laughs> things like that. Like, I'm like, all right, it looks weird, but I did it. So I'm good. Now I'm, I get to watch the tape and then go forward. So if you're afraid of whatever it is, you take your biggest fear and write it down and then figure out a way to conquer it. Reach out to that person again. Leon, if people want to reach out to you, how can they go about doing so? Uh, so I do have a, I have an, a public Instagram and TikTok page. Uh, I was posting on for a while that I started taking a lot of time, but I still have them. It's called Investing in Life Made Easy. Uh, like I said, I, I like to overcomplicate a lot of things. So I'm trying to take what I've learned and, and uh, uncomplicate it to the best of my ability. Um, so that's on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I have personal pages, but you can find me on, on the public pages a lot easier. All right. We will post that in the show notes, but Leon, I know, uh, you know, this isn't comfortable for a lot of people and I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and getting vulnerable. I think a lot of people can pull, pull from what, what you experience and help them out in their own life. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for hosting me today. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.